Okay. Uh, hey, everybody. This is Scott Rothschild uh, with KASB. Uh, we're doing a podcast, and we're with uh, Mark Tallman. Uh, he is KASB Associate Executive Director for Advocacy and Communications. Uh, Mark has recently written, and we've posted a blog of his analysis of school district hiring over the past 20 years. Uh, and what what general finding did you come up with after looking at the hiring practices of school districts since 1998? Well, one of the things we found is the districts have added a fair number of staff over that period of time, um, actually about 9,500 positions, bringing us up to a total right now of just under 70,000. We've been a little bit higher than that. Uh, that is a faster rate um, than, than enrollment has grown. Uh, and that, that may seem unusual to some people. Why do you need more people than you have students? And I think what we find and what we can go into, what it really has to do with expanding programs and services to students, doing things to try to make the educational program and experience better. So you found that uh, we, we've hired more people at a faster rate than the rate of uh, in, enrollment. And uh, so what, what do you think are the basic reasons for, for doing that? Well, broadly speaking, it comes down to efforts to reduce class sizes, uh, which, which evidence shows has been helpful, uh, to provide more more intensive and personalized student instruction. These are things like adding, uh, for special needs kids, more special education staff. We're going to talk a lot about that. Um, early childhood staff has been a part of that. Programs for at-risk kids. Also dealing with kind of changing expectations for schools. Increases in technology has been a big one. Changes in expectations around school safety and social services. And then programs for kids and their families like more transportation. Uh, districts have added staff there, um, and we've also seen changes in school nutrition programs, which hasn't necessarily affected the staff a lot, but it has been something where districts might have been able to reduce staff, getting more efficient, except we're probably expanding the sorts of things we do in that area. So these are things that districts have done all around the idea of trying to improve the product, improve student success. So we've hired all these extra people, all these people to improve student success and uh, to help um, uh, students, uh, has it been successful? Well, it depends on the measures you want to use. One of the things we struggle with a little bit is that people always tend to look at things like, well, what's happened to test scores? And one of the reality is we, we change tests over time. It's hard to get long-term consistent data. But if you look at evidence where there is some long-term data, for example, graduation rate. We are at the highest graduation rate percent we've ever been in this state. Uh, if you look at post-secondary preparation like ACT scores, the percent of students that have uh, are meeting uh, benchmarks on the ACT, for example. Um, we've actually dropped a little in the last few years, but we are well ahead of where that number was if you go back to when ACT started doing that. The percent of students that start college and finish some type of post-secondary degree, these are all also at an all-time high. We've also done this at a time when 
The student enrollment is much more challenging. We have a much higher percentage of low-income kids, uh, kids from uh, certain uh, minority groups that traditionally have not gone to college. Graduation rates have not been as high. Um, so we've, we've seen the improvement occur when our student population is not static, is actually getting more challenging. And then the last thing we need to know is when we look at other states, the states that have the best overall student outcomes are also states that tend to have larger staff. More people are involved. And so uh, what we see in Kansas uh, of adding staff to expand services is what seems to be successful when you look at other states as well. Now, in your blog, in your analysis, you have a great uh, uh, chart that shows changes in Kansas school employees over the over the past 20 years. Uh, let's look at the actual employees that have been hired over the past 20 years. What categories do you see uh, have increased and what categories have there been uh, either flat or some decreases? Well, certainly the biggest, uh, uh, the biggest growth has been in the area that we call instruction. And one of the things we probably need to, to talk a little bit about is the data we have on employment comes from the State Department of Education, and that is based on uh, simply the reports that school districts turn in. School districts report employees' data basically by job titles, mm -hmm. and the State Department only divides those, uh, those titles into two broad categories, people who are certified or licensed, which would include teachers, it would include um, superintendents, for example, principals, nurses, counselors are people that are licensed. The other category are non-certified or non-licensed, mm -hmm. and there's obviously someone who doesn't have to have a license. This might be a business officer, a custodian, a bus driver, a cook. What KSB has done for this analysis is we've tried to take those job titles mm -hmm. and put them into what are called the function categories within a school budget. So all school districts in Kansas and all states are supposed to report expenditures basically around what school districts do. The, for example, instruction is teaching. Student support are services which are not direct teaching, but are designed to help students such as counselors or nurses or social workers or school psychologists. Instructional support are things to basically help teachers and provide instruction. These would be library, media center, instructional technology, um, uh, uh, supervising teachers, for example, a special ed director we put in this category. Um, another category is school administration. This is basically the principal, the principal's office. Um, and then there's uh, functions like food service and transportation, operation and, and maintenance of buildings. And then finally, general administration at the district level and central services or other services, basically things like uh, the business office. So KSB took all these categories and assigned them as best we could to these instructional areas. Um, as I said, uh, the largest area of increase, almost 7,000, has been in the area of instruction. Now you can divide that pretty close to in half between uh, teachers and this would be everything from regular classroom teachers to special ed teachers to uh, kindergarten, pre-kindergarten, 
technical ed, practical arts, or what they call them, anyone who has to have a licensed teacher. And then the other category are those people who work with teachers and work with students in the classroom in instruction but aren't licensed. These would include special ed paras and general classroom aides. That accounts for about 7,000 positions in the growth. There has also been about 1,000 each in the categories of student support and instructional support. All the other categories combined uh, amount to less than 500 positions out of this increase. Mm -hmm. And it looks like uh, three out of four positions over the past 20 years, the new positions, uh, has been for direct instruction of students. Why do you think that is? What, and what does that tell us about the priorities of schools? Well, I think what it shows is that districts have been working at both reducing class size where possible and providing extra support for kids who need it. Once again, the biggest area is special education. This occurs both because we have identified more students as having special needs uh, and, and special education requirements and regulations have changed. A good example would be uh, uh, the model 20 years ago, 30 years ago, was you would pull out kids to go to a separate special room and be taught by a particular teacher. The, the consensus has been that's not the best way to do it. More services are now tried to provide in the classroom. That basically means you need more staff to go with these kids to be in their regular room, or you have more paras to go to the child to the regular room, sit with them, watch them, provide extra support so they can try to do as much as they can in the regular classroom. The third big area of growth and in instruction has been in all-day kindergarten, early childhood, preschool-type programs, and parents as teachers. So the focus of districts has been to get more teachers and people working with kids and supporting kids, not only in a preschool environment, special services, and then also reducing class sizes. I guess I should also note there's been a pretty big increase in the area of uh, uh, career uh, teachers, vocational teachers, whatever they might be called, um, because again, uh, districts have tried to increase the range of vocational and career tech ed programs. Uh, Mark, we hear a lot in the uh, political sphere that there are too many administrators. Now, in your look over the past 20 years, what, what have you found as far as uh, the hiring of administrators? Like everything, it somewhat comes down to the question of, of, of how you define your terms. So we have assigned what I think most people think of as school administrators mm -hmm. in the budget category of general administration or school administration, and we would add that area central support services. Uh, these are things that, in, that would include, again, business offices. One of the things we find striking is that the staff that we would categorize in general administration and central support. And the way to really think about it, the people who work in the district office, you know, the people who work downtown, mm -hmm. uh, those numbers have actually been reduced by over 200 positions. Uh, the positions in general administration, essentially the clerical support for the district office, those have de decreased even more. We have had some increases in business office functions. Probably part of that is just kind of changing uh, ways that business is done. 
clerical support has gone down somewhat. Uh, we've probably, in other words, reduced the number of secretarial positions, but maybe added a business director or a supervisor, a coordinator. Um, there has been uh, about 160 positions increased in school administration out of probably about oh, 1,500, school buildings in the state. There's actually been a reduction in the number of principals, probably because building districts have tended to close very small schools. There's been an increase in the number of assistant principals. Often the assistant principal is someone who may be involved in discipline, uh, may be involved in activity support, uh, doing things again to just not necessarily going to the uh, to the responsibility of the of the head principal, but providing once again we would say more support for students, more support for teachers and evaluation assistance, uh, and working with families. Um, and then the other area where there's been some movement around, we've kind of grouped together operations and maintenance, transportation, and food service. The number of, of, of staff positions involved in operations and maintenance, the classic example would be the, the uh, custodians. Those numbers have actually been reduced. Um, there has been an increase in uh, transportation, largely because one of the things we know has happened in the last 20 years, districts are busing more students. Probably three basic reasons for this. Uh, one is just growing concerns about safety, and particularly as some districts have closed neighborhood schools, there's a real concern by school leaders, by educators, and frankly parents over having kids walk to school, um, even though it may be within two and a half miles, potentially more dangerous areas, traffic areas. So it's been an increase in transportation for that. Um, we've also seen an increase in transportation in some districts out of the desire to expand school choice. Um, so districts will be saying, we're going to transport more students because we're letting you pick the high school you want to go to for a signature program. And in the last 20 years, the legislature has made it easier um, and frankly, almost kind of encouraged districts to provide transportation to kids that live out of districts. So that may increase um, uh, the, the, the activities uh, in those areas. And then finally, frankly, for attendance, um, there may be just a sense of saying we want to make sure kids get to school. Uh, you've got kids who, you know, maybe parents are both working. Or there may not be two parents in the family literally getting the kid to school within two and a half months. You know, if it's the parent's responsibility and the parent is working two jobs or things of that nature, I think what districts have found, that can be an impediment to attendance and another reason we've increased that, uh, that area. Final area of food service, as I've said, a little bit of a mix. There's actually been a reduction in the number of uh, positions like cooks and servers and those things, uh, some increase uh, in supervision activities, once again, because you probably have people doing more higher skill jobs, trying to be more efficient. We found ways to reduce the number of, uh, of, of, of some other positions involved in food service. So the net result across those areas is an increase of less than 300 positions across all three of those areas at a time when the student, the numbers of students served over the last 20 years has gone up by about 22,000. Well, and, I, and I'd like to urge uh, people who are listening to this on, our, on a podcast to uh, uh, get on our website at some point and uh, get to Mark's blog because uh, he's got some great uh, charts and tables that kind of uh, illustrate exactly what he's uh, been saying about this. Uh, Mark, uh, after looking at the hiring practices over the past 20 years, uh, 
What is kind of your general conclusion to, to what schools have been doing? You know, I think what it tells me, we see exactly what we would expect to see. Mm-hmm. Um, districts have had, until recently, have generally had increased funding to try to improve services. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen expansions in preschool programs. We've seen expansions in special ed and vocational education, at-risk services. All of these are things which tend to require more people. Um, We have had districts continue to try to be more efficient, and that's why, where possible, some areas have been reduced. One area, for example, where we saw a big increase was in the area of technology. Frankly, 20 years ago, there weren't even job titles Mm -hmm. for technology specialists or technology directors in some of those areas. Those are now probably about 1,000 people. And so that's an example where, again, you would expect as we've moved from computers being relatively rare to in many districts every child having a computer or a tablet. So that's going to change the complexion of the workforce, and it's also in general going to require more people for an advanced service, uh, an advanced, uh, uh, a more uh, a higher level of service mm-hmm. that we provide. So I think if you look at what districts have done, it's exactly what you would have expected them to have done. Mm-hmm. Well, this is all, it's great information, and especially, I think, during uh, uh, the political season when a lot of things are said about schools, uh, I think it's great to have uh, this kind of information and detail as to the hiring practices. Uh, is there, do you have any concluding comments on this? You know, the one other thing we talk a little bit in the blog about as a trend over time uh, is the kind of the relationship between changes in school funding and changes in school employment. Right. And so it's pretty clear that when school funding is going up, districts are hiring more people, again, uh, usually targeted around particular services or particular goals. When school funding is cut, um, and a graph which shows this, uh, when recessions occur, when other things are happening in the economy, for example, during the block grant years, when funding was, was really frozen at a time when other costs were still going up, the number of positions have gone down. What we saw last year, really for the first time in, in a number of years when the legislature added funding, districts added positions, which are frankly, we are still not yet back to the number right. of positions we had uh, in, a decade ago in 2009. That was really the high water mark of funding if you adjust for inflation. Now, right now, people will say, well, we're, you know, funding's at an all time high. If you adjust for inflation, we're still well below where we were in 2009. As the state itself acknowledged before the Kansas Supreme Supreme Court, the, the, the plan that the legislature adopted is really just designed to get back to uh, 2009 levels. We would expect that in the coming school year, because the legislature again provided increased funding, I think a number of other positions will be hired back. And I think what we'll see is out of those positions, there will be an emphasis on counselors. There'll be an emphasis on uh, uh, other support positions like mental health where possible. Um, We will probably continue to see increases in vocational because a big part of the Kansans can goal is to is to get more kids focusing on their careers and maybe considering career and technical education. So I think really what what says if you look deeper 
you will see that schools have done exactly what you would have thought they would do, given what what educators say they need to do. Uh, Our hope, of course, is that we can continue to have that translate into the positive results that we've seen uh, over over the past several decades in education levels in the state. And I think it only stands to reason that schools have done exactly what Kansans expect them to do. Well, and I think that that is because sometimes we always have to remember these decisions are made by elected local school boards Mm -hmm. who are responsible to voters who are are saying what they want. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so if you, again, I think sometimes it's important, and I know this is complicated stuff. There's a long list of district positions, and you can can find any example and raise questions about it. But when you put it in the context of what districts are supposed to do, Mm -hmm. when you look at kind of the big picture of where school staffing is, I think you see that uh, that it really does fall into what I think I think voters and, and opinion surveys and everything else, what local school boards here are the priorities of parents and patrons of districts. Well, it's great to have this detail, and, and obviously the more information we have about this, the better, uh, especially for our school uh, advocates and uh, our parents and patrons uh, during this uh, election season. So thank you, Mark. Uh, I think uh, that brings us to the end of well, our... want to make sure for those that might just be listening, if you're, if you're wondering where to get this, right. you can always go to the KSB website, but this uh, is in my blog, the Tallman Education Report, so if you simply Google Tallman Education Report, you should be able to come directly, and this is the most recent blog we've posted. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.